What's up, you guys? Hey, welcome once again to the Chasway podcast. It has been like seven months, three days, and 18 minutes, roughly, approximately, who's counting, uh, since I have done a podcast. And first of all, I'm glad to be back. And second of all, I am um, I'm honored and grateful that I had the inspiration to come back and be in front of this incredible audience that has really been a huge, not just platform, but a place that I have found love. Uh, and support in for such a long time doing the Chazway podcast. And um, those of you that know, already know, and some of you don't know, but just for a quick recap, I, I believe that we represent three things with this podcast. And that is A, making sure that you know that you're worthy of great things. Uh, and and B, knowing that you can do anything you want, uh, anything you want. You can take your life from ordinary to extraordinary, average to above average. And it's simply a decision. You're one decision away from doing anything you want to shift to to superior greatness. Um, and then the last thing is just to know that um, I'm always going to be here for you. I've got your back, whether it's, you know, you're struggling with, because um, we're all struggling with something, right? And so whether it's addiction or obesity or finances or whatever, um, just know that there are people on this earth and in this world that do love you, that do care about you, um, whether whether I know you or we know you or not, um, you're you're going to find ears to, to that are willing to listen and, and try and uh, be a friend to you. So I say that because I may not be your person, but somebody is and nobody can help you support you love you um, embrace you if you don't take just one step and and reach out. So I encourage you to do that, whether it's me or somebody else. Um, today, you see on the screen with me a friend of mine named Sherry. Sherry is amazing. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her and then I'm going to ask her to tell you a lot about her. Um, but Sherry lives in Southern California. Um, Sherry is my friend to the bariatric community. And those of you that have followed for a few years through the podcast, you're like, what bariatric community you've never said mm -hmm. that word on your podcast <laughs> i haven't but what i have talked about is obesity i have talked about me being overweight i have talked about my insecurities i have talked about walking into a room and feeling uh not unworthy right and so um just to back up a little bit october 7th 2022 just uh 17 18 weeks ago today i think uh, as we record this i had the gastric sleeve surgery in oklahoma and uh, i am down probably uh, since surgery, um, like about 75 pounds, I feel unbelievable. I feel incredible. It's literally changed my life in every just I can't even tell you how many ways it's changed my life. But one of those ways is I didn't know there would be community uh, and what we'll call bariatric community. And so I've met people that I would say are probably going to end up being some of my lifelong greatest friends ever. Um, and Sherry being one of those. And so I've asked Sherry to come on for a few reasons. But let me edify you before I let you speak. <laughs> Okay. And um, I want to say that um, Sherry literally probably in my first uh, week or so of being on TikTok was a face that came into the the where I was like TikTok panels, I guess. And um, and so I immediately thought, what a cool connection. She's funny. She's cool. She had a great story. She'll share a lot of that with you guys today. Um, but also authentic, loving, caring, compassionate and engaged. And I think being engaged is so cool. There's nothing and I'm guilty sometimes. There's nothing worse than being like, so how's your day? And then you start like, it's like, <sighs> why did you even ask? Now you're on to the next thing, right? And yeah. so, but you're the, you, I believe that you authentically care about people. And that, that is, those are my kind of people. So I appreciate you for that. Um, and then the last thing I'll say before you just jump in is that um, Sherry is also a founder. Uh, do you consider yourself a co-founder with Eric or like, uh, can I call you the founder? Yeah, you can say founder. Okay. This yeah. girl is the founder of a company called MOBA, Masters of Badassery. And um, she can tell you exactly what that means. But again, she's from Southern California. She's awesome. She also has a bariatric story. She's eight years post-op from gastric bypass or sleeve. 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 You are a sleevey? Yeah. Whoop, whoop. 
Okay, yeah. cool. So she was doing the sleeve when everybody wasn't doing the sleeve. So that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, and she's super cool. So Sherry, welcome. Well, okay. First of all, I can't compare it to that kind of a welcome and I'm not like full disclosure. I'm used to being on the other side of this. I'm not used to being in the hot seat. Um, but that was an amazing welcome. I can't thank you enough for that. Well, you're welcome. Not- and I- I guess I should also say she's the host of a badass podcast as well. Uh, and you can find her all over the social medias, but I'll put all that in the info. Like they'll find everything about you in the info on in the, in all that stuff on the YouTube and on all the socials. So, um, but yeah, so tell us about you. Like, let's talk about you and then we can dive into the bariatric stuff, but tell us who Sherry is. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I don't like, I don't know how you exactly can like sum up. Uh, sh- I don't want to admit this 41 years of story and history into like a few minutes, but I was um, a complete and utter tomboy. I was very into sports. I was not, I did not grow up with girls. So I was not very, very girly. Uh, so I played with Ninja Turtles and GI Joes and we played tackle football. And um, yeah, and then I just like, for me personally, I got to an age where you're not allowed to play football with the boys anymore. And I, tried in high school to play football and the wrestling team and baseball. And they're like, no, you have to go do the girly sports. And so I stopped being active. And then, um, my life just kind of was met with a lot of ups and downs over the years. And obesity was one of the underlining, you know, foundational issues that I had that, you know, carried on to other aspects of my life until about eight years ago. And then I feel like it's a completely new chapter. It's a new journey. It's all, it's a totally different life right now but I got like I don't know specifically I can tell you stories until I'm blue in the face but like you know we're not gonna have enough time for all that you summed it up great and we have all the time that you need first of all but second of all um yeah like no you actually summed it up great like that's kind of who you were you were a tomboy you did the deal you hung out with your friends um most of them were boys so but then you talk about you know jump into eight years ago obesity was a thing so like well that's when you changed but like Hmm. were you big as a young person I was always on the heavier side. Um, I was never like, I remember being like 13. No, I was 11 years old in PE. When you do like the yearly physical test or whatever, I was probably like four foot 11. And I was apparently I was like 130 pounds. And the PE teacher told me that I was fat and that I needed to go on a diet. And at that age, I think I was 11. I think it was like sixth, sixth grade or something like that. And up until that point, I never had an issue with insecurity. I was little Miss Diva. I was going to be Hollywood, you know, from like the age of four. I was always singing and dancing around. Um, I never thought of myself as having any kind of a stigma with insecurity or obesity, or I, I could run as fast as the guys. I could play as hard as the guys. So I was always on this equal playing field. And I think that was the first time that I was now separated into this different category um, where now all of a sudden you're consciously aware that you're not like everybody else and that you're bigger. And again, I was 4'11. And I think by the time I was 12 or 13, I grew to be 5'7. So had I been 5'7 and 130 pounds, the, the history would have been written completely differently. But because the stigma was now created, um, the weight started. And that was around the time that I wasn't being as active in sports anymore. So the weight started piling on. And then back then in the nineties, we had the miracle drug Fenfen, which was really big. So I remember they put me on Fenfen at like 13 years old, I think. And I started losing a lot of weight and I was starting to get some kind of confidence, but then the news reports came out that it's killing people and there's heart issues. So they banned it. 
And then I think that's what was the trigger for the um, 20 years worth of yo-yos and fads and new diet pills or new programs. And I think by then over the years that that's just a lot of damage to put your body through that even if I tried a new program and followed it to a T, my body just didn't know how to handle it and it rejected everything. Wow. I want to stop down on that for a second. I am a little all over the place, but one of the things that's really important to me is that no matter what, whoever, whatever ears this podcast falls on, whether you watch it on YouTube or you hear it on wherever you hear it, um, it's so important that we bring value. And Mm -hmm. so this is, this is like super powerful. 11 years old, this teacher tells you you're fat. Mm Mm-hmm. 11 years old, this teacher tells you you're fat. Now mm-hmm. you have an awesome podcast called Unzipped with Sherry. Yeah, shameless plug. Yeah, it's yeah. just unzipped, yeah. Okay, so we'll talk more about it. We'll also talk about your book. She's an author. Damn, I should have redone your <laughs> intro. I, there's so many things I didn't say in your intro because I just wanted to talk about you being a badass. Um, I'm going to reintroduce you at the end of this. <laughs> I know, I kind of just like overall badass. I feel like it's just all encompassing of Perfect. everything. Okay, cool. Okay. Well, then I covered it all. But um, we will talk about your podcast. It's important. But the reason I bring that up is you actually, I was really honored to be on it a couple of months ago and mm-hmm. be a guest on your show. Um, and thank you for that. One of the things we talked about is like, hey, Chaz, where where did it stem from for you? And my answer mm-hmm. was like, I'm 16 years old. I'm with my mom, who's I'm really mm-hmm. close with. We're at Burger King. And I remember convincing my mom that I needed to uh, two, two whoppers instead of one. Now that's a different story. That's not verbal abuse, but I'm going to tell you another right. story. Freshman year. I, the girl, the first girl I ever like kissed in my life, I was in like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, whatever, whatever the right answer for that would be. <laughs> I don't know how old I'm supposed to say, so, but I was in sixth grade. Okay. Right. So that's the fine. first girl I ever kissed my first like girlfriend ever, we kind of, I guess we were boyfriend, girlfriend, sixth, seventh grade off and on <clears throat> freshman year comes around. Like I'm an, I'm an, I'm a jerk asshole of a freshman. And, um, I don't remember this, but about five years ago on Facebook, where I reunite with this girl and she's like, Hey, I'm not mad at you, but I just want you to know that when we were freshmen, you continued to call me pizza face all the time and four eyes because of my glasses. And I just want you to know, like, I'm, I, I forgive you, but I just also need you to know that at 40 years old, I've carried that my entire life. And I still feel bad. Now I've, we've stayed in touch. We've become acquaintances. Um, I feel horrible. I can't fix it. I can only apologize, but I tell you guys this because words are so freaking powerful. And so I say this from two sides. One is be really careful the words that you let out of your mouth and I'm guilty of it, but man, I also hurt being on the, on the, on the, where it falls side of it too. Just like you at 11, like you didn't allow that to be your story, but it did impact you because here you are today at 41, which I would have never thought you were even a day over 40. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> but um, but truly, like here you are 30 years later, mm-hmm. roughly, and that still there's enough of an impact that it's part of your story today. And And so I want the listener to understand that we all have something that impacted us probably in a negative way. Some of us more than others, some of it traumatic, some of it not traumatic, mm-hmm. some of it verbally abusive, physically abusive. Um, and so you're not alone people, first of all, you're not and alone. second and second of all, um, you can pick up those pieces. You can move forward. You can recreate, rewrite and readjust your story, which takes me to eight years ago when mm-hmm. you decided to change your life and your story. And I know there's some depth, the brother stuff. There's some, there's some layers there where you decided to rewrite who Sherry is. So mm-hmm. talk about that. Um, the thing that sucks is like, you know, 
obesity usually stems oftentimes from some kind of a traumatic incident or some kind of a, a, a low point moment that you have now replaced food as a way to gain love or acceptance or whatever. Um, when, when, when my teacher told me that I remember it was the first time I was genuinely rattled. Like I said, it was the first time that I was actively made aware that there's something quote unquote wrong with me that I don't fit in with everybody else. And I had already had those feelings. Cause like I said, I grew up in a neighborhood of only boys and around 11 or 12 boys start hitting puberty. Girls start hitting puberty. And all of a sudden Sherry is no longer the cool one of the guys she's a C block, you know, because now they want to, they want to start dating girls. And, and I wasn't like that. And I, and then I, and then I would have instances where boys would make fun of me as like, and one in hindsight, sometimes if a boy has a crush on you, they can be mean to you. Like I was the girl, like I would play, I was the only girl in an all baseball league and it was only boys. And, and I was, I was just as good, but I didn't realize at the time, but boys would make fun of me and they would ridicule me. And I would like be rounding third and running into home plate. And I got punched in the stomach by my own teammate. Uh, and like, and they would call me names and like, they would pick on me. And in hindsight, I found out that I guess he must've had a crush. And I guess that's how boys express their yeah. affections. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found myself caught between a rock and a hard place because I no longer, could relate to the boys anymore. And because I spent my whole life with boys, I didn't know what it was like to be girly. I was not into makeup and Barbie. I mean, I had Barbie, but she played with GI Joe and like, she messed shit up and like, you know, she she punched people and she was a (laughs) badass, you know, she wasn't like being all dainty in in her Corvette. And so I, so I, you, I entered my whole puberty being very isolated, not fitting in anywhere because the girl's wanted to talk about boys and they wanted to talk about makeup and girly things. And that wasn't me. So I found myself over the years as a result, being very isolated and being in my room alone a lot. Um, I would listen to the sappy love songs on the radio. Cause I was like, a boy is never going to like me. And then I would like, it's so sad, but like, I would cry, I would make cookie dough and then it would never make it into the oven. It just would make its way into Sherry instead. Oh. <laughs> and like, it was like, like in hindsight, like it's, it's depressing, but, um, and then like you, because you've had like this catalyst, whether or not the teacher meant it in a negative way, it's now something that's locked in your brain. And even if you're not consciously aware of it on a daily basis, it's in your subconscious. So like it, it somehow makes you more um, hyper aware of your surroundings. And now you're like, well, if my teacher mentioned, mentioned it and she's a trusted person, then every stranger is looking at you thinking that you're fat. And it creates like that you, it constantly pushes you into this bubble of not wanting to be, I no longer wanted to be in the limelight. I didn't want people looking at me. Cause I was like, everybody's making all of these crass judgments. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not even gonna lie. I don't remember what the question was. <laughs> not that, but what's important is that, that, that like is exactly your backstory. So the question is, can you really tap your mic to mute it? Yeah, did you hear me cough? No, but you're the, the there's like red in the background and it turns off when you. Yeah, I, I can mute it. Do that again. <laughs> That's badassery. That's so sick. Okay, so the question, <laughs> yes. no discredit to what you said. Like that is very, very heavy, very powerful. Question is, moving forward, the next question is, eight <laughs> years ago, yeah. you decided to make some major changes. 
and you have some story you have like there's stuff about your brother that's like really deep and heavy and then there's yeah like, you made a massive life shift where obc is not the story you wanted to let be your story so take me to eight years ago <clears throat> what shifted and then when you decided to press play with with sherry 2.0 what did that right. look like uh so like I said, I I yo-yoed for many, many years and, and it wasn't for a lack of trying, like every new program, whether it was the paleo, the whole 30, the South beach, the Hollywood liquid diet, like everything. I went a hundred percent ham. I gave up everything and nothing would work. And then uh, in 2012, uh, on Valentine's day, ironically, I think we're coming up in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Um, Brian had passed away and Brian was basically like my brother from another mother, our, our mom, our parents were best friends since they were teenagers. So we literally spent every single day together growing up and until they had moved when I was like 14, but he had died unexpectedly. And he, he and I, out of the, the four of us kids, my brother and his brother, um, we were the ones that were the overweight ones. We were the slightly funnier ones. We were the fatter ones. Our brothers were very, very fit. You know, they were very into working out so him and I had always bonded in, in that sense and that we would try to do things together and we would try to keep each other motivated. And then he ended up dying at, um, unexpectedly at 27. And it wasn't until after he had passed that we realized that there was a lot of health issues that we didn't know about. Like he had clogged arteries at 27 years old. And I, I just, I couldn't even fathom that. And I think what the pivotal moment was for me is like, you're dealing with this tragedy that you didn't think ever happens in your own backyard. You hear about on the news, but it never happens in your own backyard. And you don't realize like how much it affects you because it was like this wake up call that we're not, we're not immortal. Like, you know, we, like it could literally all end tomorrow. And I think it was like three months after he died, I happened to get blood work. And then I found myself being diagnosed with type two diabetes, fatty liver, high cholesterol, and I was like, holy crap, like we just buried my best friend. I'm going to be next mm. because that, that's literally, I'm literally, because by now I'm over 350 pounds. I can barely walk anymore. Like any kind of a simple task, like you're completely um, defeated and deplete. And like you're passed over on jobs, people treat you differently. Um, so I started, I took six months. They want, I mean, it's a long story. I'll make it quick, but. They wanted to put me on all of these medications for diabetes and because he had just died and the circumstances in which he died, I was terrified to even take a Tylenol. Like I'm just very, I'm not against medication in any way, shape or form, but because of me, if it, it freaked me out so, so much, I was afraid to take Tylenol. So you go from taking nothing to wanting to be put on four and five different medications. And I had asked the doctor, I said, look, I, I was like, it's not my first rodeo, but now there's something else on the line. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be a statistic. I'm not going into an early grave. I will take like, what if I lost all the weight, you know, can I reverse everything? And the doctor said, no, she's like, even if you lost all the weight, you're going to have, you're, you're going to have diabetes forever now. And I'm like, well, shit. <laughs> and, um, so she gave me the prescription. I told my husband, I said, give me six months, give me six months. I will put my mindset full focus on this. Even if I don't get the results, like I will put everything I have into this. Cause now I have, I truly have something to lose. Whereas maybe I didn't think I had much to lose before. Um, and I did, I took, I cut sugar, I cut carbs out. I started walking every day. I did juicing for a while, you know, to kind of kickstart it. And I try to only like nothing, um, pr no processed foods, like no, nothing. And then six months later, I went and got blood work done. And she goes, you know, congratulations, everything's been reversed. Like the, the fatty liver was gone. The diabetes was gone. My cholesterol was normal. My blood pressure was normal. 
And she's like, see, this is why you need to be on medication. And I, I was kind of snarky about it. Cause I was like, I didn't even fill the prescription B, you know, it's, but the point of the story was I knew that my mindset was enough to get me to the end result that I wanted. Cause for six months, all I focused on was those blood results being normal. I didn't care about anything else. And I wasn't focused so much on the scale at that point. Cause for me, it was more about being stubborn. I needed to prove the doctor wrong, which was, might not have been the, the most best way to approach it, but that's what worked for me exactly. because, because I got the end result that I wanted. But after six months, I think I dropped 20 pounds the first month, which a lot of it's water weight but nothing else came off after that point. And so I knew at that point, it was not a lack of trying. In hindsight, it was 20 some odd years of yo-yo diets and screwing up your metabolism and trying every fat under the sun that I think my body just, my metabolism was just non-existent at that point. And so, because I knew, I knew that I had the mindset to follow the program to a T, um, the, the surgery at that point became my only option. Cause nothing else was, they had me on medication at one point. I had personal mm. trainers at one point and nothing was working. Yeah. So you, at that point, you take the thought of, of surgery seriously. You obviously move forward with that. And then, um, were you, were you already married? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You cause you said that you already, you talked to your husband. Yeah. Um, so was your husband like shifting for just a second? So mm-hmm. was your husband, is he, has he all like, what, what was his like, what's his relationship with food and obesity? Where is he in all of that? Or where has he been? He, when we met, he was very fit. He was a DJ, you know, so he, he worked like weekend, long weekends and stuff, but he never had an issue with weight issues. Mm-hmm. Like he was always very, very active. When we started dating, I wasn't like at my, I was only like 220 pounds at the time, which in hindsight, I think I was like a size 14. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought I was really fat at that point, you know, which there's a time when I was like, God, I wish I could have gone back to that. Um, but because of our personal circumstances, when we had lived with each other, when we had moved in together, we moved into a house that had a bunch of people in it and we were renting a room. So there was no access to the kitchen. There was no stuff to put in the fridge or the pantry. So we literally ate out fast food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day. And I think we both gained over a hundred pounds in one mm. year. And that was a struggle for him because he had never been that way before. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize you, you have like this reverse body dysmorphia where you don't realize how big you've, you've gotten until a picture shows up or you see a reflection in a window or something like that. Um, so over the years, he and I had both been on different kicks with weight loss. Um, never at the same time, unfortunately, he would be inspired to work out. And then I was dealing with depression or then he's dealing with depression and I'm inspired to work out. And so when it came time to the surgery, he supported it 100%. And a lot of it was because he watched what I went through and mm-hmm. he would, I, I had a personal trainer one time, basically tell me that I was lying to him and was not working hard enough because the, his method was guaranteed and I wasn't losing weight. And I would, I'm not an emotional person, but back then I would come home in tears. I'm like, I, I literally have nothing left to give. And because he saw that he, I think he knew that this was the only thing that was going to possibly work. And I still didn't think it was going to work when I did it. Mm. Well, so a good time to talk about that. So you have surgery. Did mm-hmm. you have like you've obviously shown yourself you can be disciplined because you did six months of, of discipline, you know, mm-hmm. prior to surgery. So when you decide to have the, the gastric sleeve surgery, um, what was your preparation like that? Did you do it in the States? 
Yeah, I did, I did it here in uh, California. Okay. And so what was what what was like your pre-op type? Um, you know, not you don't have to give details, but like what did you have to do um as far as discipline wise and in preparation for surgery? Prep wise, I mean, like most insurance companies want you to do like a six month to a year program, but because I had documentation, I had worked with doctors and medication. So because I already had that under my belt, I didn't have to do another six months. Mm -hmm. So I think I had my first consultation with a doctor about it in June. And I was on the operating table within three months. And the pre-op, there was not much pre-op. There was one psych appointment. There was, I think, one nutrition appointment like your normal vitals, you know, stress tests and everything like that. And I had no pre-op diet. So mm. the only, the only preparation I did was for me mentally was I made a vision board. I'd watched the secret and, um, I was very fascinated by the idea of manifesting the results that you wanted. So I made a vision board of all of these things that I've never done before or haven't done since I was 11 years old. And I posted all of these pictures and every day I would stare and I would pick one item on the list and I would close my eyes and I would physically feel like what it would feel like to accomplish this. Um, if it was wearing a two piece in at the beach, that was something I've never done since I was 10 years old. So I was like, what does the sand feel like around my feet? Like, how does the warm feel on my skin? Like, how does the wind brushing on my bare stomach? Cause I'm wearing a two piece. Like, and I would try to visualize all of the different senses that would come along with it. So that by the time the morning of surgery came, I was probably like 80, 20 excited and nervous. Mm -hmm. 80 excited, 20 nervous. Eight, I would say like, yeah, 80 excited. Perfect. Excellent. So we're going to talk about the vision board because that's one of the massive, massive impacts you've actually made on me is, uh, huh. is, is the vision board. But, but before we do that, like, I want to talk numbers. So you are at yeah. what weight when you go into surgery, when you go under the knife, what's your weight? Uh, I think the morning of surgery, I was 338. 338. Highest 350, right? Highest you've ever been. I, th I, think, I think it was around. over three. Uh, yeah, it was like at least 350, if not more. Okay. And you, I'm sorry, did you say 338 day of surgery? Yeah, morning of surgery, I was three, 338 pounds. 338, morning of surgery, eight years ago. What was your surgery date? Uh, it was September 19th, 2014. 919. Gotcha. So was that eight years ago this past September? This coming September, yeah, this past. So this coming September will be nine years. Nine years, gotcha. Just so just over eight years, uh, eight and almost eight and a half years, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and you are down. What is your? What are you maintaining right now? Uh, I gained a couple of pounds when I threw my back out, but I had gotten down to one sixty eight. So I think it was over one hundred and seventy five pounds at one point. I think I was. I think I was like at one eighty this morning. Okay. Um, that's a lot. It's a lot. How tall are you? Five, seven. So one of the things you guys that thank you for just being open as well about this. Um, oh, I'm an open book. What, same girl. I don't believe <laughs> I love it. Um, so one of the things that, um, when I first got to know Sherry is you talked about vision boards. Now, let me give you a little back history without triggering myself too much. I spent five years in network marketing where they teach you about vision boards oh. and they teach you the importance about vision boards. And it's like, you can do it. And they're like, just talk to more people, get more no's, get a vision board, put your favorite car on it. How much money do you want? All of these superficial bullshit things that really at the end of the day will get you nowhere. Mm -hmm. Sorry. 
It's the truth. That doesn't bring you happiness. Like it can bring you no. temporary happiness. That doesn't bring you joy, right? That does. There's no depth to that. There's no heartbeat behind that. Yeah. When I heard you talk about vision boards, you just said a second ago, like, what does the wind feel on my feel like on my skin in my midsection that's never been exposed in a two piece? Like, what? Wow, never even. Obviously, I'm I'm a male, but like that's not something I thought about. But I can tell right. you now, seventy something pounds down, like I can tell you those are those are some really real things. I, I posted today on TikTok about looking in the mirror today for the first time ever. I saw a version of myself that is getting closer to this guy that used to suck for ten years. I've sucked in and been like, oh, what if I was like, mm-hmm. and I'd push my belly in and be like, what if I'm? And today, when I looked in the mirror before I got in the shower. I'm seeing almost that in yeah. real life, right? And so there are so many things. So when you talk to the vision board from a from a different from a heartbeat aspect, from a real life, tangible, truly life changing, not Ferraris, Lambos, and beach houses, but from the air on your skin and the the zip lining and the um, Zumba and the yoga and the like. Let's talk about how you threw your back out for a second. Very. <laughs> Sherry, how'd you throw your back out? So I, um, I did the 75 hard challenge last year and I had finally, I had had regain over the years, um, from like, a a bad issue that I was going through. And so th- last year I was like, I'm done. I'm done making excuses. Um, I need to do something drastic. So I did the 75 hard and by, by the second phase, I finally had lost, oh, like my hands on the camera. Sorry. Um, I'm Italian. That's what we do. Um, by, by the end of the second phase, I had not only gotten back to the lowest weight I'd ever been before the regain, but I'd, I'd even overshot it by like four pounds. So I was like the smallest size I'd ever been in my entire life. And something, something shifted inside me where like, I felt like I was on top of this mountain and, and like, I did a back bend for the first time in like 30 years. I did, I did my first cartwheel, like in August of last year, I haven't done that since I was 10. And and so I, I created like a brand new vision board of NSVs of like all of these different physical activities that I could never do before. And one of the activities on there was I always wanted to take a pole dancing class, not because I wanted to make extra money on the weekends, but because I wanted, there was something like, I was not one who had ever gone to many strip clubs growing up, but the couple times I had gone, I was just fascinated by the sheer athleticism of women that can carry their own weight. And they would, and they they alluded like the sensuality and, and like for somebody who was a tomboy, I never had that. So somebody had said that I should try a pole dancing class to feel sexy or to feel, you know, uh, get more self-confidence. And then also it's a great workout is what I was told. And so I, there was a thing I, I could not physically carry myself. I, I have zero upper body strength. So they have like those silky things that come down mm-hmm. and, and you wrap it around your lower waist. And she goes, you should try hanging upside down. And I'm like, no, no, we're not going to do that because I'm going to break it. And she goes, you're not going to break it. And so I've never been upside down before. I've never done anything like that. And so when I did, I was literally the two of us, it was just a private lesson. We were screaming inside like the studio because I was like, I've never done this before. This is amazing. And she's like, wait, wait, I need to get a picture of you. And so I'm hanging upside down and she's, and she's grabbing like a phone. I guess she grabbed my phone on accident. Cause she's trying to open it and she can't get into the password. So she's like screaming at me for my password. I'm like still hanging upside down going, ah, there's a password. 
And I think I was down there for like a few minutes and we snapped like this amazing photo of me hanging upside down with like a perfect leg form and everything. And it was like such the most incredible moment. I was like, cause I've never done anything like this in my entire life. But unfortunately, you know, that's a lot of trauma to put through your body over the years with my tailbone. And I think it, it caused me to completely throw my back out and then set me back about two or three months of like rehab and physical therapy, but I don't regret it. Cause that picture I'll have for the rest of my life Absolutely. of, of accomplishing something. The, the three months after that was actually, you know, obviously not the most pleasant cause it, it, for three months, it felt like being 350 pounds again for a while. Right. And you took like too many steps back, but I kept visualizing my eye on the prize. Yeah. I don't know if I'm excited or in a rush to do another pole dancing class. Yeah. I think I'm good. Well, I mean, now you've done it. So that's I'm, the good part. Yeah. Check that box. But that was yeah. my point. Like it wasn't, you know, the, the fact was like, that would have never happened at 350. 100% would have never happened. You know, putting it on a vision board and and, and <clears throat> having the opportunity to make something feel real it, it, without, without, without the re, you know, without like having a vision of something like it can mm. never become a reality. And so, so you made it a reality. So I'm super proud of you for that. So here we are eight years later, life has yes. changed dramatically, dramatically. Um, and you inspired people all over the world, which I think is amazing. You created a company called Master of... <laughs> Aster. Is it master or masters? Hang on. It's I'll actually master. <clears throat> it's actually singular. Yeah. It's just master. Yeah. So master of badass. Okay, go ahead. I was gonna say people say masters of badassery. A lot of people are saying moms of badassery. I, I think like at this point, it's whatever it represents to you right. and how you're going to utilize it. So I'm excited to talk to you about this, but what I want to know is where did it stem from? When did it, like, where did that vision come from? And then let's talk about where we are today with it. Uh, so I actually used to use the term joking around for many, many years. Uh, I had gone back to college, um, I think like 10 years ago or something like that. I wanted to, I wanted to start finishing everything that I started. So I'd gone back to college and then Eric used to get mad at me because I would wait till the 11th hour to do my assignments. And then I was known for bullshitting my way through papers and I could, because I'm a writer at heart, I, it was very easy for me to pick a topic and then just bullshit for six or seven pages and then turn it in. And then Eric would get really mad. He's like, when I was in school, I had to like actively like do shit. And you're just like pulling it out of your ass. Like it's nothing. And he goes, how that's not fair. And I'm like, well, I'm a master of badassery. Like, what do you want me to tell you? Like I'm a master bullshitter or whatever. And so I used to say it as a joke, or if I did something like I changed the garbage disposal one time by myself. And I, and I posted on Facebook, I'm like, I am now a plumber and a master of badassery because I just fixed the garbage disposal by myself. Yeah. And so it was just something that I used to say is like a joke. Um, and then it really came more into fruition in 2020. And uh, when everything when everything shut down, and I, I don't think, I think I told you the story before. Um, when everything shut down, I wasn't allowed to go to the office anymore. I was stuck at home for three days. And I think I walked to the fridge like 40 times in three days. And then I binged a lot of Netflix. And by day three, I had a full-blown panic attack. And I was somebody who had had an, an actual nervous breakdown years prior. And that completely almost broke me to my core. And I had made a promise to myself, I'm never going to get there again. So when I started noticing similar patterns happening as a result of not being able to go anywhere, do anything, um, I called my sister-in-law who worked at a Walgreens and I said, can you get me a job? I will bag stuff. I don't give a shit. I cannot be sitting in the house. Um, not, and none of us knew 
how long this was going to last for. We were surprised that it even got to that point to begin with. Like the idea of things getting shut down was just like so unfathomable. And the fear that was surrounded by that was intense. And I was like, I couldn't sit and watch the news 24 seven. So she got me a job at Walgreens and I worked there for two months. And I think it was like a month into it. Uh, two things. One, I didn't realize how much I hated retail because it had been a long time since I've done retail and two, handling any kind of retail in the middle of a unprecedented pandemic is <laughs> quite an experience. And it was, it was interesting how it's your fault that there's no toilet paper or thermometers or sanitizer. And I was literally, people were, were just being assholes on a daily basis. And every time I was at the register, somebody in their mask with their head down and they're grumpy because they couldn't find the Lysol and we didn't have any Lysol and it's my fault. And one night, it was really breaking me down mentally. I'm like, this is almost not worth, I was like, I might as well just be home and have a panic attack at home. I feel like this would be like less like daunting. And so somebody had come in, somebody had come in, like we're close to closing and I'm like, I'm going to try something. And so somebody came up to the register and he was pissed off. And he was, because I think the wipes had gotten sold out, whatever the case was. And I said, I have a question for you. And he like, looks, he's like, what? And I'm like, hypothetically, everything's open tomorrow. The restaurants are open. Everything's open. Where are you taking me to dinner? And he was annoyed. And he's like, what? And I said, hypothetically, everything's open tomorrow. At some point, everything's going to be open again. Like, where are you taking me to dinner? What restaurant are we going to go to? And it took him like a second or two. And then he said, I think it was Maria's, which was a Mexican place in our area. And I was like, oh, I love Maria's has the best fajitas. Yeah. And it, and his whole demeanor changed. And we we're talking about the fajitas and I guess they were known for their margaritas and like whatever. And so now we started having a conversation about this restaurant. So by the time that he left the register, there was almost like a pep in his step. Like it was yeah. almost like we, we didn't think anything was going to ever open again, but it was the first time that he actually manifested the idea. You know, at some point we're going to be able to do this again. Are we, t- <laughs> and, um, not awkward at all. And then, uh, <laughs> So for the, so I, so I did it. So I thought it was like a one-time thing, but for the rest of the night, I asked every single customer that came in the same question. And it was so fascinating the way that everybody's demeanor completely changed in seconds. uh, We were talking about their favorite sushi restaurants. And then we were talking about like, you know, the place that does go-karting. And all of a sudden it was like, they had like this hope that they're going to do this again, because we were sitting in the restaurant, we we're talking about the menu items and stuff and their whole demeanor changed. And so I did that for the, for the rest of the time that I was working at Walgreens and I was telling my husband about it. And he goes, you know what? Cause I told him, I was like, I was a master of badassery that night. I'm like, I, cha- I, cha- I changed lives. I was like, people were excited or whatever. And I was joking. And he said, he's like, you should put it on a shirt. We should put it on a couple of shirts and, and just see what happens. And so then I'm like, we're not really in a position to do that. But I was like, you know what? I was like, I think we need to start changing the narrative. We cannot control what is happening around us, but we can control how we're going to let it affect us. If we're going to continuously walk into places with a puss on our face and be angry at the world, or we can start having conversations about hope and goodness. So we started making posts on Facebook and we would highlight friends of ours that were still in the trenches and they were still pushing through and we noticed that it was making their day. And we were like, we wanted to talk about it. It These people are still pressing on every day because one, they don't have a choice. And two, because they have a really strong mindset. Like they're not going to be broken by everything that's happening around us. 
So by December of 2020, we had just, just a couple of shirts made, nothing major. And then people started responding a little bit. And then we, you know, and then we found like these really cool hats, which is like the hat that you're wearing. Um, we met a no, another small business owner who was hand making them in his garage. And I'm like, what if there's a way that we can join forces and we can get your hats made with our logo on it. And we can support two other businesses that are just trying to survive in the midst of all of this. And then I guess like the rest is kind of history. It's just been kind of taken off like in the last year or so. So I have so many questions about this because, <laughs> cause, well, cause I'm, cause I overthink everything. But when you, when Eric said that to you, yes or no, that had nothing to do with obesity, weight loss, or, or bariatrics, right? It had, no, it was nothing bariatric related. So a couple of years later, you have found this community, by the way, I guess I should say just because there will be people that watch this that are active on social media, particularly TikTok. Um, and like you and I share that common bond that, that we have found community, bariatric mm. community in specifically in TikTok, right? And um, hundreds and hundreds of people. I mean, there's surely thousands, but I would oh, say we easily. probably know hundreds. Yeah. I mean, we probably know a fraction. I mean, actually, that's the reality is we probably know the most tiniest piece, but together we know of a couple hundred, which yeah. is awesome, you know? Yeah. And so what's crazy is like I have gotten to witness this phenomenon of MOBA and it's becoming a household name and it's, you know, you can scroll through TikTok and it's so common to see if it's an anything bariatric-ish, mostly, um, you'll see somebody with some sort of MOBA, Master of Badassery, gear on, mm -hmm. um, which I think is awesome. I also know that you're humble and that's not like that. There's not a, any piece of like arrogance that comes with that from you. I, I um, And I think that's probably part of why you've been blessed with some success with it. Uh, but I also love, like, I love, I believe that God has plans way bigger than us and they're way before yeah. we even knew. And so it's like to hear that story from Walgreens in 2020 to where it went, like at some point you must've shifted into doing some TikTok stuff and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like, was that ever intention of sharing? Like, how did you, I guess that's a better question. Did, did you, do you remember ever introducing MOBA to TikTok? I can tell you this. Uh, when I was on TikTok, I had like a hundred followers. Like I used to post like dancey videos or I would do like little walk. And I started posting the 75 hard stuff last year, but I was not part of the bariatric community. I was just doing my own like little thing. Um, and then I had started a podcast with another woman. And so I was doing having a more presence on TikTok. And she was the one that was telling me that there's a bariatric community on TikTok. And I'm like, I know nothing. I, I got TikTok because my nieces were on TikTok and I need to like keep an eye on what they're doing because there's a lot of crazy people in the world. So it's the only reason that I ever had a TikTok. And so I started meeting one or two people in the community through TikTok. And then we bonded instantly. And I'm like, oh my God, there's like amazing people like on TikTok, but I like eight years, I was so far removed from the bariatric aspect of it. Like I was no longer really defined by the bariatric because mm -hmm. it was, it was just, I, I'm just Sherry now. Like I wasn't yeah. like, you know, I no longer keep like, oh, I'm like 56, seven months post-op or whatever, you know, it like wasn't I'm, new. It wasn't new. Like I've like been there, done that. Um, so it was really crazy to see people who were just starting out and you didn't realize how popular bariatric surgery had been becoming 
And so uh, last year, outside of TikTok, uh, I think it was around November, I told Eric, I said, we're going to hang at MOBA for a while because we we had done three or four like events locally and lost our asses on them. I think, I think there was one event, it cost us probably three, $400 in like the travel and, and the gas, not including the 10, 12 hour day you had. We made an $8 sale and that was it. And you're like, we're not in a financial position to just keep pouring money on chances. So I told him, I said, you know what? I, I think we need to hang it up for a while and just like get through the holidays. And then once the beginning of the year, maybe we can try to revisit and try to come up with a game plan. But I literally had hung up MOBA and I happened to be, that's when I think we started becoming friends. And then people were doing this. You can go live on TikTok. I, I knew nothing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine helped me get to a thousand followers so that I could start going live. And then there was a, a live with a friend of mine and he brought me up and I was talking to some guy in Canada. His name is Dano. And I, I just happened to be wearing my hat. I wasn't even promoting it or anything. And he's like, that's a cool hat. Is that made out of cork? And then like, we started having this conversation. I wasn't even telling him that I owned it yet. Cause I, mm-hmm. I'm again, like you're so, I'm so awkward when it comes to people and you don't want to come off as being too pushy or, or promoting. Like, even though you have a business, you should hundred percent be promoting it. I struggled with that. Yeah. Cause um, you were at that point. I mean, you're just being sincerely you, it wasn't about MOBA. It was about Sherry, you know? Yeah. Like I literally wasn't even thinking MOBA at any time. I just happened to be wearing my hat. It was a bad hair day. And so we ended up t- t- telling him a story, just a little bit about the hats. Well, he went on our website that night and bought a hat. And I was like, oh my God, like somebody, we haven't had a website sale in months. You know, we've had like nothing. And, and I, and I told Eric, I'm like, okay, that was kind of cool. And then it was a Canadian order. So it took, by the time, like he got, it, it was like a week later, I had forgotten about it, you know, like you're, and then all of a sudden there was a post on TikTok of this guy who got a MOBA hat and promoted it. And I was like, I didn't even ask him to do that. Like, I thought that was like, I, I was not used to any, anybody doing something of that nature for me. And when he made that video, I get notifications on my phone when people go to the website and people started going to the website that night. And then two orders came in and I told, I was like, Eric, I don't know what's happening. Like, we just got two more orders. And like, you're kind of, you're like this little giddy schoolgirl. like what is happening? And then people got those orders and then they made videos and then more and then it got to the point where I, I think in the last month and a half, I think we've had over 60 orders go out. And, and it literally, I was like, I literally, like days before that live, I hung it up. I was like, I, we can't keep putting money into this or whatever. I know that, the, I know that the belief in, is there that at some point when it's meant to happen, it'll happen. I said, but we're not in a position to keep gambling. And this, this phenomenon just kind of happened on TikTok that I still don't, fully fathom it or understand it. But I had my friend that got me to a thousand followers before I was big, like bigger on TikTok. He sent me a message. He goes, Sherry, every time I open TikTok, there is a video or a live of MOBA. He's like, this is the craziest thing I have ever seen in my life. And he goes, he was giving me shit for TikTok. You have to have a niche. You have to have a niche. You have to have like a theme to your TikTok. And I'm like, I don't know how to do a theme. Like I, I post dancey videos. I walk, I post like random crap. He's like, you're the only person I know who doesn't have a niche, who is all of a sudden getting, you know, people to come to your page and like, and like promote your stuff. And I'm like, it's just, it, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know how to ex- describe it or explain it. I'm just on a ride right now. And I'm just enjoying, it can all go tomorrow, but I'm just enjoying everything for right now. 
Well, I, a couple things on that. I want to say, I believe I'm opinionated, but I believe mm. that the reason that you're having the ride is because you're just allowing the ride to be the ride. Um, I think if you all of a sudden geared up and your conversation changed with Eric from saying, Hey, this is crazy. We just got two online orders. What the heck? Right. From the yeah. authentic yeah. excitement of that. If it's like, dang, Eric, we only got 10 today. Or right. man, what if we could get 50 tomorrow? Like whenever it becomes about like a dollar sign or about like it, the motivation changes. Yeah. I think sometimes the organic growth changes, but as long as you remain in a space, that's just really natural. I think you continue to be blessed. And yeah, at some point, um, the newness may wear off and the hype may mm -hmm. wear off and that's fine too. Cause guess what? It wasn't something you expected in the first place, you know? Right. Um, so one more thing about that, and then I want to shift gears to one more area before we wrap up. And but but before I do that, um, I you may not want to talk about this, but I I was really really blessed with being able to witness and be a part of a day that we all were on a live on TikTok, and there were six of us in these boxes, including you, and we all had MOBA gear on. And um, one of the things I know about you is that you are the first to say, you even said it today already in this interview. I'm not emotional. You said it already. I, know I did. I'm not emotional, but, or, and right. And it was like, I'm not emotional, but like, this is really like, you felt the most awesome. I, what I feel like I witnessed was the, the coolest emotion of seeing these people on this screen. Yeah. They're loving on you and they're loving on your product, but they're, but there's a love for people. Right. Yeah. And, um, and just talk about, just take a minute to just talk about that and not like, you don't have to give kudos to anybody. It's not about that, but it is about like, what did that feel like talking about like where you started from? Like, here we are 2020. Then here we are like, Eric, we got two online orders. We haven't even had an online order. And then all of a sudden the, the, the friends, like every time I see on, 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 yeah. on TikTok, there's this like, so, but now looking, there's not only were there six of us on the screen, but there was probably a whole audience of people in the chat that also are fans and lovers and believers and supporters what was what what was the feeling I can tell you and, and I remember that day because I if I remember correctly you had gotten your order in and and a friend of ours Val had gotten her order in too and what I didn't know behind the scenes is that you two had talked to each other and you're like let's open our our packages together and let's support Sherry and like do all this thing and I had no idea. Mm -hmm. So I think somebody had sent me a message. It was either you or Val saying, hey, come on live right now. Mm -hmm. And number one, this was a girl who was once shunned by both all sexes, you know, mm -hmm. like 30 years ago or whatever. And now I'm getting messages like you're, you're being talked about on TikTok or, or people want you on TikTok. And I'm like, wait, pe people want me to be a part of the conversation? Like, I don't know how to handle this. Yeah. And I came on and you guys were like opening your packages and that alone was so cool. I was like, you guys, you guys talked about this on your own to do something like really nice for me. And I wasn't used to that. Mm -hmm. So that alone, if nothing else had happened, that was so heartwarming to me that people thought of me in that. I, I don't know. I can't even describe it, but then it just so happened that the other people on the live were people who happened to have already gotten orders. So when they saw you guys like putting your, uh, the MOBA hats on, they went instantly and they went and grabbed it. And it's one of those things where like, you're in this bubble and you don't, you don't really realize what's happening in the moment. Um, 
I am notorious for telling people I don't remember a lot of stuff because when I'm in the moment, I'm just truly living in the moment. And so mm. there's a lot of times aftermath, people are like, don't you remember that? Like, I don't, I don't remember often specifics, but I remember that the overall, I remember the emotion that was attached to, to specific moments in time. And I, I just remembered looking at the screen and for a split second, it came to the realization, holy crap, like this, everyone is wearing something that you created. And it was so overwhelming. And I, I remember people in the chats were like, like smile, we're going to take screens and all these people were taking screenshots. And again, in the moment, I didn't realize how powerful it was until after it was done and people were sending me all of these pictures. And, and I was like, cause in the, in the, like I said, in the moment, it was just me and a couple of friends talking, but you don't realize like how many people are watching and how many people were partaking and how many people wanted to be a part of that because I felt like they knew too how special of a moment that this was. And I like, like, I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know how to truly wrap my head around. And I think even to this day, I still get, if people, I was doing it earlier today, you were like hyping me up. And I, I just, I, I, my first reaction is to retract. Like I'm not used to getting like positive attention that like, I don't know. I, I truly appreciate every, every single video I get today. It's, it's like the very first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every time, every, I still call Eric every single time an order is placed. I call him like it was the very first order that was ever placed. And I geek out like a little schoolgirl. Like, and I, oh. and I, and I honestly hope that it never gets to a point where that ever changes. Yeah. I think remain authentic and I don't think mm-hmm. it ever will change. I hope so. Um, that was a really special moment. It was, um, it was really cool. So just to like reset the stage, let me close up about the MOBA stuff and talk about, yes. um, first of all, the website, you have a couple of different website options, but I think you, you can go to MOBASherry.com. Uh, yeah, the main, the main actual website is MOBAMentality.com. Gotcha. Apparently MOBA was already taken. Um, people on TikTok were having trouble finding it and it was a lot of bariatric people finding it. So somebody had created a, a domain, Sherry dot com which takes you right to the MOBA but the actual so, MOBA website is MOBA mentality so MOBA mentality and if that's too hard to spell you can go to Barry Sherry B-A-R-I Sherry with one R yeah, S-H-E-R-I yes. uh, dot com these things will all be also there's links and everything in the links in the bio um, no all that stuff will be in the comments uh, but but yeah so there'll be plenty of very simple ways for you to access these things but so you know there is this cool hat that's quirk and there's like I don't know how many hats you have now, but I would say probably six to eight. No, I think we were up to like 15 or 16 different. Okay. So between 15 and 2000 different styles, (laughs) Um, but there's like trucker styles. There's mesh. There's not, there's tons. Very, very cool. There's very female. There's very neutral. There's some male type. Um, There are a few different hoodie options. Now there's tank tops, there's water bottles, shakers, um, tons and tons. I say tons, a lot of different options. So if you yeah. just want to, if you just want something that says, Hey, I'm a master of badassery and listen, dude, like you could be a UPS driver and you deliver the fastest packages or Amazon, mm-hmm. like you're a badass dude. And maybe yeah. you've lost 40 pounds or two pounds or one, you're a badass. And maybe you put on two pounds of muscle. You're a badass. Maybe you're just doing yeah. the mom thing and you're a single mom. You're a badass. Maybe you're a single dad. You're a freaking badass, dude. So 100%. rock it however you want to rock it, but rock it for yourself because you deserve it. Right. So right. So that's MOBA and I'm proud of you for that. I'm proud of you. And it's been so fun to see it. It's so fun to like 
I mean, it's just so fun. There was an event in Canada, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, there's this whole room full of Canadian TikTokers and they're all like, they're all wearing their MOBA gear. And I'm like, dude. That was incredible. I was, I was like joking. I'm like, MOBA's international now. Like this yeah. is insane. And like I said, and then somebody sent me a picture of everybody in Canada talking, like all wearing hats and like sent me a picture of it. I'm like, it's so surreal. Mm-hmm. It, it's very, very surreal. Like I said, you, you think that you're going to wake up one day and it's all going to go away. And if it does, I'm mentally prepared for it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, I, I don't want to get cocky and assume that this is how it's just going to be moving forward. Sure. Cause there's no guarantee. Like everything can just change tomorrow and it can be completely gone. And if I lost it all tomorrow, I'm still going to remember that TikTok live. I'm still, I'm still going to remember Dano's first order, you know, in the very first video that came in. And I, and I remember every single video that has come in since I remember every single one of them. That's awesome. So Sherry is, um, an author and a podcast host. And so I want to hybrid cross collab, the two of those things, as we close over the next 10 minutes or so, let's just talk about, um, first of all, what came first? I know you talked a little bit about when you started your podcast, you started with somebody else, you've broken off and now doing your own thing. Podcast is called Unzipped, the coolest name ever. I do want to talk about how it got that name. Um, but let's talk about that. And then uh, however you want to incorporate the two, but let's talk about the book and the podcast uh, now. Well, I can tell you that the book definitely came first. Okay. Um, I... Eight years ago, there was no there was no social media support groups that I knew of for the bariatric community. So I was really big into blogging at the time. And all of my experiences, I was blogging my journey and talking about it. And like I wasn't prepared for hair loss. I wasn't prepared for vitamin deficiencies or any of these like side effects that come along with extreme weight loss. Nobody had prepared me for. So I was just documenting everything for myself because I was getting tired of going to Google and Googling all of my symptoms. And then Google would tell me that I have six weeks left to live and I was going to die because yeah. um, I would have some rare disease. So um, when I started getting into like bariatric support groups on Facebook, um, by then I was like four or five years out or like three, four years out. And people were talking about certain things. I'm like, oh, oh I know the answer to that because I, I went through that and I would get excited. I'm like, you don't have to Google it. It's it's not cancer. Like you're fine. And uh So Mm. I, so people started sending me private messages and they would ask me questions. And like, I was a big supporter of the vision boards, like people who were coming into surgery. And I would talk about how important mindset is throughout this entire journey. Cause it's, yes, you're going to lose a significant amount of weight, even if you do everything wrong, but at some point your body's going to catch up to those decisions. So you really have to change your entire mindset going into the surgery and um, basically changing your entire relationship with food, your entire relationship with how you view yourself, finding your self-value and your worth, cutting out toxic toxicity from your from your life. There's a, there's a whole bunch of like different elements that go into the surgery, and that was that that was the avenue that I was taking with people with what we called the newbies, because I was like, there's a lot of things that come as a result of this surgery, emotionally, mentally, family dynamics, relationship dynamics, everything changes that they don't prepare you for. So I felt that I had been far enough removed that I could help them with that. And I would tell Eric, I I was like, dude, like this, this girl just messaged me and said that like, I inspired her. She saw my before and after picture. And, and she was so grateful that I just took the time to talk to her. And I'm like, why wouldn't I talk to you? Like, you know, of course. And he had suggested I should write a book and I'm like, yeah, that sounds, you know, interesting. 
And then nothing ever happened. Life gets in the way. And then you do another post weeks later, and then somebody has another conversation and like you help them. And I would tell Eric, I'm like, you know, maybe I should write a book. I was like, people, people like seem to like the advice that I'm giving. And he goes, yeah, he's like hundred percent. You should. And then months go by and then life happens. I swear to God, this probably went on for like a good two years on and off. And I'll never forget. There was a day in June of 2019, um, where I was talking to somebody on Facebook and I told Eric about it and he got, and I don't want to say he was a dick about it, but he was kind of snarky about it. He goes, I'm seriously tired of you talking about it. He's like, either F and do it or don't mention it anymore. And that kind of pissed me off. And I was like, fine, I'm going to write a book. And I literally got up from the conversation and I went into the office and I sat in front of the computer and there's a blank screen. And I sat there for, for 30 minutes and I'm like, I have to prove a point because I'm really stubborn because I, like, I just wanted to shut him up. But then I'm like, I, like, it sounded good on paper, but I didn't think like, how do you, I've never written a book before. How do you start a book? Like, how, how do you start the first set? What, what, what things do you put in there? Like, what do you talk about? Yeah. And so I remember that I had my blog. So I printed out a bunch of old blogs from like the early, early days. And I literally sat in front of the computer for 30 minutes and it was a blank white screen and I'll never forget it. And then something out of nowhere hit me where I had an idea for how to start it. Like I had an idea for like how to, to start the story. And so I started writing it. And then the next thing I know, like hours had gone by and I did not stop writing. And then I went to bed. I woke up before work. I was writing. I would get to work. I was writing. I would come home from work. I was writing. And then by day three, my husband uh, had to go and get like those ACE bandages because my wrists were so excruciating. Like they, I was writing so much. It was like something just like some floodgates have opened and like everything is just like pouring out of you. And um, but on day five, I wrote the last sentence. I wrote this entire, like my entire story in like a, in five days, I could not stop writing. I was icing it every couple of hours because my wrists were so excruciating. And then- um, and then I just put it on the back burner because I, I was like, I, I felt like I just had to get out of my system. I felt like this huge weight had been lifted, but I had zero intention of doing anything with it. Cause I, I knew nothing about publishing or anything. And then somebody had reached out to me about doing a, a podcast about weight loss and he wanted to interview me and he was starting a brand new podcast. And so I was talking to him about the surgery. And so we ended up doing this podcast. And at the end of the podcast, um, it was over and we were just kind of shooting the shit. And I was telling him how I wrote, I had just finished writing like this rough draft. And he said, um, he's like, he's like, you should try to get it published. And I'm like, I know nothing about how to publish it. And he goes, let me give you some resources. He's like, I've written five books. He's like, cause I'm going to tell you something. He's like this podcast, my other podcasts have averaged like a million views, allegedly. I don't know. Um, he's like, but we're doing full production value. Like we're going to do editing. We're going to, I don't know if he was going to have animation, like this whole, it sounded so uber bougie fancy. Um, and I was like, well, how long will it take for the podcast to be aired? And he said two to three months. And I'm like, and he's like, I'm just telling you, he's like, if you happen to have a book at that time, I'll put out a website, like I'll promote your website. I'll whatever you have at that time, I'll promote you. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to create a website. I don't know how to like do any of this. So the next day I went to Wix, I created a very, very basic website. And then I started going through like Fiverr and different like apps and stuff to find editors. So, but, but now I'm stubborn. I was like, he told me two to three months, I need to have a book out in two to three months. 
So I invested every spare ounce of energy that I had outside of work and I, and I put everything together and I wrote that first draft in, in the middle of June. And I had a, I had a physical copy in my hand. Um, I think it was September 10th or whatever that year, which was like the week before, like my five-year surge anniversary or something like that. What is hilarious about that story is this was 2019. It's been four years. That podcast never aired. Really? Never aired. Never heard from him again. I had, he had reached out a couple of times on and off. He was going through shit. Something happened. There was technical difficulties. <clears throat> Messaged him like two years ago. Never got a response. But that potential podcast exploding and like having like the idea, like if he's going to promote a book, I need to have something for him to promote would have never come to fruition. Everything <laughs> happens for a reason. 100%. <clears throat> the book is called Unzipped. And it is yeah. really, I love what you just said about like, you know, you can go Google something and of course you learn all these crazy things. Like, for example, you're going to die in six weeks, right? Yeah. Um, all the things. And so it is really awesome as you grow, um, grow might not even be the word, as you experience different pieces of uh, the the bariatric life change, mm -hmm. you, you, it, it is really like, you are able to share those things with people. And of course, like, obviously we're not doctors. We're not ever claiming to cure, prevent, fix, do anything like that. But um, it, it is like, it had happened to me this morning and I can't even think of the example, but the, somebody had asked me about, Oh, somebody was just asking me, she's three weeks out. And she was like, Hey, I'm like craving some Italian, some, I think she said Italian sausage and cheese or something. And she's like, can I have that? I'm like, well, you can do whatever your doctor thinks is right. But I, I probably wait another week, yeah. or two, you know? Um, and so it's like, I can only say that because I, cause, cause now I've been through it and right. And to be honest with you, like I had a year gap from the day I made or approximately a year and I, I need to count it out. It's actually way, it's over a year, but it was at least a year from the time I made a decision to do this, to do sleeve to the time I had surgery. And in that time, and I also, by the way, was not in the bariatric community. Like you weren't mm -hmm. because it wasn't a thing, not calling right. you old, but it wasn't a thing back I'm in your day. Right. Yeah. But like, but like, and it was certain, I mean, I would, I'm sure a year ago it was a thing, but I didn't, I didn't, I did TikTok sometimes for fun it was usually really like what does Braxton call it cringy like um and or I was promoting my MLM bullcrap like just dumb stuff like right thinking I was just doing chat just doing life never did I even tap in or know about bariatric community and then I started seeing some some stuff as I got interested and then post-op I didn't even get on TikTok for for like six weeks and mm -hmm. then and then I found bariatric community. I found people six weeks post-op. So it was like, I also with, I'm with you. Like I didn't have that either. Um, but it was so cool to be able to share. And back to my point was I was able to ask a lot of people, a lot of questions outside. It wasn't TikTok. It was just life. Like people that I'd meet that had had surgery. Right. And, and I wouldn't have gotten the information or I wouldn't have been equipped with the tools that I feel like I needed. Um, if I hadn't had the opportunity to ask a lot of people questions. So that's kind of what your book can provide for people. You know, it's, 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 if nothing else, it's your experience through the process, you know? Yeah. And I, and I'm very open in it. And I tell people like my experiences is not the norm. I mean, not everybody's going to have the same exact experiences. And so there might be people that read it down the, that can't even relate to it in any way, or there might be people who went through the surgery and have far worse complications that I can't even comprehend that I didn't. But the, but the point is, I was like, this is just my story. Mm -hmm. And, and the underlining theme of the story is 
the mindset that I've had throughout the entire journey and how, how things in my past, even though it does, you don't realize it at the time, it's preparing you for the future. Like there, there is a reason why when you have those really dark days and you go through these hard times, something happens in your future that you're like, had I not gone through that, I would not have been able to handle this moment that I'm in right now. And it just kind of all encompasses that. And yeah, uh, I wanted to be as honest and raw um, there's a lot of things in the bariatric community. They don't prepare you for from, you know, constipation and dumping syndrome and, and side effects and stuff that I wished there was resources for me at the time to not think that I was crazy or I didn't, it's not pleasurable to think you're dying on a weekly basis. Like I kept thinking I was convinced I had every disease known to man. And it turns out, oh, you're in ketosis. That's why this is happening or something like such a simple explanation for it. That was so exasperated in my head because I had nothing. I wanted to give people, if this happens to you, this obviously talk to your doctor, this is probably the likely, you know, cause of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and like, there's, a, they don't tell, they don't prepare you mentally for bariatric surgery and the changes. And so I wanted to tell my story and, and be as honest and, and real about the realities of it. Relationships are going to change. People are going to view you differently. You're going to see the world differently. And that's all part of the process, but they don't, it's not sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. Like I joke, like there, there's dark moments that come when you're transforming your entire being, not just on the outside, but you have to transform on the inside too, to catch up with it. Um, And so I wanted to provide an outlet. Like, this is just my story, what I went through. But even if you don't have the same experiences, there's tools in there that you can use that you can apply to your own life and what you're experiencing. Absolutely. So you've also got the podcast. Um, Yeah. It comes out weekly. Yes. And is it like, does it drop at a certain day and time? Is it consistently a, like where does it, is it consistently dropping at a certain time? It's, it's I know you have a a different way of like you, it's, it's live, right? Like you have a way of doing it. Yeah, we record, we, I do it live every single week. I, I personally do like the live element. Cause I like people being able to be part of the conversation, you know, especially if they, if, especially if somebody, if like when you were on, if somebody was resonating with something that you specifically went through, I like that the be able to banter to be able to be like, Oh my God, Chaz, like that was me. Like you're speaking my language right now. And I like, I like having that immediate and, you know, I don't know, maybe it's because I was a giant fan of Saturday Night Live my entire life. I like maybe there's the element of live, like not knowing what can go wrong at any point in time sure. that keeps you more on your toes. So I don't know if there's like a couple different reasons for that, but it's it's every week on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. OK, awesome. So seven central, five West Pacific. Yeah, five Pacific um, Standard and, Time. And, it, and it's live on YouTube. Yes. And then it. And then you can go find it in other places afterwards. Once it's dropped, once it's after it's live, you can always go back and find it. Yeah. After it's live, you can find it on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, like all of the major um, podcast avenues, I guess. Yeah. And I'm going to, and again, I'll put the link to the YouTube um, below as well. And so if people want that, they can find it. So, well, I feel like I've talked about things that I really wanted to talk about. Um, Good. I, I really appreciate you being on it's um, so I have not done a podcast in about seven months and really I'm speechless. That's so weird <laughs> when it gets silent. I'm like, I never stop talking. So what's going on? Here? Um, but I, I just, I slowed down on being inspired 
And I do not like to operate anything of my life that is not aligning um, any piece. Mm -hmm. I just, that's just not how I do things. Um, I don't like to fake it. And so um, I just, I just was my, my inspiration was slowing down a little bit. And so mm-hmm. I, one of the things I learned when I very first, be, one of the, when I first started doing podcasts, the biggest reason I never did a podcast is because I was, didn't know how, right? right. And then all of a sudden one day I was like, oh, okay, well, if so-and-so can do it, they just figured it out. And I always say, just push play or just push record and go. Right. And that really is how it starts. In fact, I think you kind of did the same thing. Like once mm-hmm. it became your own thing, you're like, I'll figure it out. And uh, yeah. I'm so grateful that, that we, for both of us, that we decided to be brave enough to do that. Um, but early on I had to learn, like, there will be times when there's not, uh, you're just not feeling it and it is okay. You're not obligated. You don't owe it to anybody. Um, to force something is really a good right. way to say it. And so I just haven't had a lot of inspiration and a lot of life has happened for me in the last seven months. Bariatric stuff has absolutely been major impact, but I've also been through a breakup. I've, I've moved, um, same town, but like I've moved, I've, you know, so mm-hmm. there's, there's just been some changes. I had a super busy f- business, uh, business, like real estate was super busy. So there was a lot of like, I was a full plate. And again, I wasn't overly inspired. And so I just thought, well, we'll shelf it for now. And when it's time, we'll come back. You know, um, it was never going to go away. It just was not going to come back until it's time. Right. And I say that to say, now I'm also not going to promise that today's the day that we're going to start not dropping it every week again, uh, because I don't know. I don't know. I, I do love podcasting, but I have to, right. I have to love it when I'm in the moment, you know? Um, but I got excited to do it because I, there's so much I wanted to talk to you about, like what we just spent time talking about. And um, you're definitely the first person back with me. Um, I did, you don't know this, but so back um, the first year I did a podcast, it was mo- usually just me. And then when I, in the following year, which was the next year around, my son's walking in the room. Would you like yeah. to come in since you're here at my office? Do you want to, I'm doing a podcast live right now. But if you want to, no, you got to come. No, so, if you're going to interrupt, you need to come. It's Sherry of all people your friend hi hi okay let me finish up um i was like who's knocking at my door um and so anyways um uh, but i i wanted you on because i there is so much to talk about and there and and i you're a good human and i like that but also you have oh. such cool stuff to talk about like we just did but also like last and certainly not least is what i have seen happen with moba and the master of badassery and people doing things like gifting something or um or the excitement on somebody's face when they open their package whether they bought it or not like sometimes somebody surprises somebody that's even cooler right but like or or honestly like this is a little bit i hope not being too like open but i also see people sometimes that don't even like they might not have even had the extra money in their budget but it was important enough that they wanted to do it and like they I've seen people save to make sure they have enough to buy a hoodie or a hat or a mm-hmm. whatever. Right. And then when they do it, it's like, you just see this joy come upon them. And I know it brings you joy also to see it, but it also brings them joy. And that is, right. that's fun. Like that's cool. And so it's just, it's so worth talking about because it's, it's been fun and it's the most organic thing ever. Like I, I know that in the beginning, even though I like, I think your beginning was kind of the beginning of me knowing you around the same time, yeah. not, not the beginning of, of, of MOBA, but of it becoming a thing yeah it, just, it was like it was like middle of or end of november i think yeah. that, that first slide like it just it just started yeah so to see it and then to see how it has grown and and um it, it's just been fun and it's been awesome to also see you stay um stay real through it all so i i'm grateful for that and i'm and i appreciate appreciate that and i appreciate the friendship as well 
Well, I appreciate you too. And I like, I feel like hundred percent. I know that you used to do your podcast and you had taken a break for a while, which I think is, is, is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Because when it comes to like doing something that you're passionate about, you never want it to get to a point where it feels like a chore or feels forced. Cause the minute that it feels forced to you, the fun is gone. And if the fun is gone, the passion is gone. And then you're just putting out crap just for the sake of putting out crap. Yep. And I felt that way about the, the other one that I was being a part of, which is why, like I said, everything happens for a reason. Um, and, and I love uh, just kind of learning as you go along, but there's going to be days that I'm not going to be feeling it. And if I'm not feeling it, I don't want to, I don't want to just do it for the sake of doing it. I want to do it because I'm excited and I want to, and, and I truly believe in it. So the fact that you decided to kind of want to toy with the idea of coming back and like, if for me to feel like the first person that you invite, I mean, that means the world to me. Like you have no idea. Well, I'm glad when I, and I, and I'm, I'm glad that it, that I felt some inspiration and some mm-hmm. spark, you know? So um, I, I just want to end with this. If there's something you could share with somebody that's on the other end of this and they let's not, let's, let's, let's not even talk bariatric. Okay. But mm-hmm. let's not knowing whose ears this will fall on. If there's something you could say that would bring something of value to someone that could help maybe their tomorrow become better, you could equip them with something that can make them stronger in one way or another. In 15 to 30 seconds, what what is that one thing? The one thing that we are always guaranteed in life is change, whether we want it or not. So we have two options. We can complain about it and get sad and then be angry at the world because our situation has changed or we can realize that we have no control over it and find a way to adapt ourselves to the situation and plow through it that's like the reader's digest version i feel like that's the master badassery version to be honest with you i was like well that's why she's freaking master badassery right there like and you had a quick you're like boom you had that answer like damn it she's good because because like you know we were talking about the pandemic, like the pandemic taught me that, you know, we, we all go through hard times, whether it's financially in relationships, death in the family, grief or anything. The pandemic showed us that it, money is not a factor. Your status is not a factor. Your social places, how many friends you have, whether you're alone or not. Not everybody was given a complete level playing field. The rug was pulled out from every single one of us. And one of the things that we watched in real time was how people took the mindset towards that situation. There was a lot of people that were angry. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of hatred. There was a lot of divisions and sides being taken. And the one thing that I try to stay true with is I have no control over what, I can't undo what has happened to all of us, but I can get up every single morning. I can just choose to be positive. Even if there's no guarantee, it's not, being positive is not gonna put money in my pocket, but being positive and seeing how somebody else can turn around and start paying it forward and spreading more positivity. I was personally noticing in real time, people's complete demeanors physically changing. And as a, and as a a response to them physically changing more good shit was coming their way because they were allowing themselves to be open to it and to adapt to what was happening. And so I'm a firm believer that if you're going to be one of those people who's stubborn and dead set in your ways, you're not going to go far in life. You have to be able to have an open mind and understand that that angry person at the other register probably had a really shitty day. And they probably had to 
bury somebody in, in a grave that they were not even allowed to visit because there wasn't enough people allowed. And the, there were so many other things behind somebody else's demeanor that if you start to just show compassion and just show niceness, it's amazing how quickly their attitude will change towards you. Yeah, it's so good. And so, so true. I, um, I know that when COVID came, uh, and we'll talk about it another time, cause I could talk forever about it, but yeah. I just happened to read a book by a guy named Trevor Moab, right, right before that, um, before COVID hit. And I wish I could remember the name off the top of my head. Um, I don't think I have it here, but, uh, anyways, it, it's basically, it's all about mindset, you know, and it was, and, and he didn't write the book about COVID. It was way before COVID was even the thing. And, but it, it's basically like, <clears throat> you know, like having a neutral, like blinders on staying neutral, not hot or cold, not left or right, but just staying neutral through things that, that you face. And I, and I remember like very early in COVID, I, I was going live a lot on Facebook uh, through that time. And I, and I would just remind people all the time, like, Hey dude, like you've got a choice and, and, um, this is not an easy, like what you said, like somebody's got something going on. You've probably mm -hmm. got something going on as well, but it's how you react to this, this mm -hmm. season of life that's going to take you. And honestly, 2020 was the biggest year of my life, like business wise, the business I was in at that time. Um, it was the big, like, but I, I a hundred percent attribute it to my mindset. Like I kept a great attitude through all of it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean it was easy. Like there was a ton of, I got to, I could list oh, off tons of negatives, but instead I chose to find positives mm -hmm. and, um, and yeah, like change your mindset, change your life, dude. You know what I mean? That's like, what... so for sure. So man, I appreciate you, Sherry. Thank you so much. I'm going to wrap things up. Um, they'll be able to find you all over the interwebs and I'll make sure I, I put it all in the, in the, uh, somewhere in, in here so that they can find you and, and see you again. And thanks for that last final, like word to somebody. Cause that was, that's powerful. It's massively impactful. Well, I appreciate so thank you. you. Um, thank you. Like I had a lot of fun today. And I'm going sure. to impose myself and come back again in the future. Heck yeah, you are. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, you guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for being on the Chazway podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys again soon.